he shall break in pieces the oppressor. Psalms 12 and 5, very similar. For the oppression of the poor, for the sighing of the needy, watch God. Now will I get up off my throne. Because the poor and the needy are being oppressed and they're under oppression, I'm going to get up off my throne. If you get on over later in the book of Psalms, I think chapter 78, it says, and he shall smite his enemies in their hinder parts. He'll give them a good old you-know-what whooping. Yeah. And I will set him in safety for him that puffeth at him. You ever felt like you've been puffed at? I pastored long enough, I've been puffed at. I was a youth pastor for 11 years, a pastor for 30 years. You do the math. Been puffed at. <laughs> then Colossians 2 and 15, I like this verse. Having spoiled principalities and powers, Jesus made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. I want to make this statement, then we'll pray, then you can be seated, then I want to read the rest of my text. I will be preaching a message of declaration of what the Spirit spoke to me to proclaim God's Word to us today. And to you, everybody say, to me. Pat yourself on the chest. Say, to me, today. Say, today is my day of absolute deliverance from the oppressor and his oppressions. Do you believe what you just said? Sometimes I preach, sometimes I teach, and sometimes I make a declaration. The divine has decreed a declaration for this Sunday morning. Let's pray. In the name of Jesus Christ, God, I thank you for your power, your revelation, your strength. Thank you for the anointing that's flowing in this room. Let it flow out of me to this people. These are your children. These are the sheep of your pasture. This is your church. This is your flock. This is your army. This is your garden. In the name of Jesus, I come to make war against the spirits of this city. I come to stand as your herald, heralding that you have come to break and have already broken asunder. Amen. Amen. Everybody say amen. Here's my title, then we're going to be seated and preach a while. The title is, The Oppressor Is, everybody say is, Broken Asunder. He's not going to be. He has been. And he will continue to be, but he is. I don't know how they wrote the title up there, but that's okay. The word is, I meant to have it capitalized, bigger than the rest of it. The oppressor is broken asunder. God bless you. You may be seated. We'll get back to this here in a moment, hopefully.
If not, praise God. Luke 13 and 10, if you want to follow along, um, reading about six or seven verses. And he, Jesus, was teaching one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. And behold, there was a woman which had a spirit of infirmity 18 years. Everybody say, that's a long time. Some of you here today have been carrying infirmities in your flesh for many times. An infirmity can affect the body, it can affect the mind, it can affect the soul, and it can affect the spirit of a man. Sometimes we only think of infirmities as a physical situation. And was bowed together. Now that's a horrible way to walk through life. Now I don't know what it says to you, um, but bowed together means to me, bowed together. She couldn't stand up. She couldn't walk right. I watched a lady in California get healed. First she got knocked over by another person who got healed. He knocked into her and knocked her over. She got healed. We didn't know about it till she got back to church. For nine years she had been walking, hobbling, leaning on her husband. For nine years. He wasn't saved. She was. So for her to come to church, her husband had to come and let her hobble into church. But that night, she got healed instantaneously. She didn't know it until she stood up. Another man helped her stand up. And she said in her testimony on Wednesday night after the Sunday healing, she said, when he lifted me up my back, I felt it pop all the way down. And she began to dance and shout all across in front of that room without her husband's aid or assistance. And when Jesus saw her, who in no wise could lift herself up. He called her to him. Come here, lady. Woman, thou art loosed from thine infirmity. He didn't go through some gyration of prayerology and Pentecostal. He just said, you're loosed. Sometimes we pray too much for the sick. Sometimes we need to just do what Jesus said to do. We need to speak to it. Cancer, dry up right now at your very root. Wherever you're going to, wherever your tentacles run, I'm done with you. We're done with you. This person's done with you. In Jesus' name, dry up and be gone. Woo! I felt that right there for somebody. If you'll grab it. And he laid his hands on her. After he said that. Everybody say, after he said that. And immediately she was made straight and glorified God. And the ruler of the synagogue answered with indignation. Here comes the oppressor. Because of Jesus healed on the Sabbath. Said so unto the people, there are six days in which men ought to work in them. Therefore come and be healed, not on the Sabbath. And the Lord answered him. Jesus answered him, thou hypocrite, doth not each one of you on the Sabbath lose his ox or his donkey from the stall and lead him away to watering? Ought not this woman, which is not an ox or a donkey, being a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan, the oppressor, hath bound, lo, these 18 years, should she at least not be loosed from this bond on the Sabbath? In other words, if you don't want her loose, then you leave all your critters tied up and don't feed them, don't water them. And when he said these things, all his adversaries were ashamed. All the people rejoice for all the glorious things that were done by him. There are multiple forms of oppression. I am standing in a city that I know of 
two different pastors have identified the spirit of this city. Cities have spirits. Anywhere there is a cloistering, a gathering, a congregating of people for life and lifestyle, there will be a spirit. There will be several come and they will vie to dominate that region, that area, that city. Large city like New York City or some other big areas, they will have multiple demonic forces, spirits that will dominate those cities. And no law enforcement, no law in the books, no politician can break that. It's going to take the breaker of the oppressors to break it. And I am declaring to you that the oppressor is broken asunder. And somebody say, well then why is there this and why is there that? It's because we still allow it. He doesn't allow it. We allow it. We allow it as God's body. We allow it as religious institutions. We allow it as political forces. And we even make laws to accommodate these spirits. God bless you. You can be seated. Multiple forms of oppression are in our world. And they came in at the fall of Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. Just, just a few of the oppressors that the oppressor has delegated. There's privileged oppression. There's racial oppression. There's economic oppression. There's political oppression. There's legal oppression. And I know you believe this. Law does not equal right. And I'm not against the law. But there's some laws that will be passed and have been passed that aren't right. There's social oppression. There's gender oppression, which is mostly male over female. There's institutional oppression. There's religious oppression. Oppression comes from the Latin word oppressus, which is a participle of oprimere, which means to press, to squeeze, to suffocate, all for the purpose to dominate. Oppressors are dominators. You do not hear me today. I am declaring you, everybody say me, you do not have to allow yourself to be dominated by any other force. You are created by God. That makes you his child as a created being. But if you have been born again of water spirit, you are a new creature in Christ Jesus. There's a difference between obedience and being dominated. We are to obey Jesus Christ. He does not dominate us. Can you say amen? You do not have to be ugly to break the dominant one or the domination. You see, God's Word allows us and causes us, and that's part of the reason I'm preaching today, it allows us and causes us to realize there is an oppressor. 
the way the oppressor oppresses to his best degree is to not let you think he is oppressing you. He wants to make you think and feel you're just going along to get along. Isaiah 9 and 4 allows us to know that the oppressor has a rod with which to drive us. He drives to pain. He drives to misery. He drives to distraction. He drives to utter defeat. The oppressor brings with him yokes. He brings bondage. He brings burdens. And the greatest burden that I know of in Pentecost is guilt. I'll not ask for a show of hands, because if we did, it'd be like a fan turned on. How many have guilt in your spirit today? If I could, if your pastor and I could team up today and annihilate 50% of guilt in this room, we would evermore have a thunderous healing, miracle, deliverance, and outpouring of the Holy Ghost in this room just right here. Please, that's not as a condemnatory statement. That is a deliverance statement. You do not have to live with guilt of yesterday and last week and last month. The devil is lying to you. The oppressor is keeping you pushed down. I say oppressor. You are broken asunder, and you are a liar, and I will not come under your rule. Satan is the master oppressor, but he uses other agents to assist with his oppressions and oppressiveness. He'll use demons. He'll use human beings. He'll use disease. He'll use sickness. He'll use infirmities. He will use sins, drugs, alcohol, tobacco use, dominates human beings. Immorality, failures, religious institutions, political forces. Some look pretty good. Some look pretty right. But hallelujah. We can also know by God's holy powerful word that God, Jesus Christ, will and does and has broke every yoke and cast off and cast away every burden of the oppressor and oppression. Notice, he didn't say I'm going to break or I can break. He said the oppressor is broken in pieces. And I'm declaring the oppressor is broken asunder. Now walk away from the oppression and make yourself a free man or free woman. Listen to Genesis 3 and 14. And the Lord God said unto the serpent, this is after Adam and Eve ate of the tree that they were not supposed to eat of. They sinned. They disobeyed. He said to the serpent, because thou hast done this, tempted the woman and the man, thou art cursed above all cattle. You see, the serpent was above all the creatures, all the beasts of the field, more subtile. He was good looking. He was handsome. He was pretty. He was cute. He was desirable. God said, 
Because of this, upon your belly shalt thou go, and dust shalt thou eat all the days of thy life. You find many more crazy men that will handle snakes than you do ladies. The majority of ladies don't care anything for snakes. Psalms, I think 63 or 68 says, He will defeat His enemies and will cause His enemies to lick the dust. I beheld Satan, his lightning fall from heaven. He was brought down. And then he said in verse 15 of Genesis 3, And I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed. And it shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. The oppressor is broken asunder, ladies and gentlemen. It is a prophetic promise of the coming Savior and Deliverer, Jesus Christ, the Messiah. The phrase, bruise thy head, from the Hebrew means to snap or overwhelm or to break or to gape, which means to split wide open. Serpent, devil, the seed of this woman, Jesus Christ, is going to snap your head wide open. Now, was there a seed of the woman that came? Yes. Was his name Jesus Christ? Yes. Was he the deliverer of all the oppressed? Yes, he was. And he broke. He broke. He's not going to break. He broke. The Bible says the lamb was slain before the foundation of the world. Calvary was just an enactment in time of that breaking asunder of the devil. In Latin, that phrase, break your head or bruise your head means to break the lordship off of. Ladies and gentlemen, my fellow human beings, the lordship of the devil has been broken off the head of human beings. So much of what we're putting up with in the world today is human oppression. That the devil is empowering. Either you oppressing yourself which sounds crazy and a bunch of bed bugs, but it's happening. It's happening in this room. Some of you are sitting there loaded with doubt, and you're saying, yeah, but, yeah, but. If you're walking around with a bunch of yeah, buts, you need to use, lose the yeah, buts. You need to just shout amen to the Word of God when it's preached. Even if you don't understand it, even if you've never heard such before, you need to say, oh man, because then the word of God mixed with your faith will get in your heart and it'll chase oppression, it'll chase guilt, it'll chase depression. So she hobbles into the synagogue, bowed over. Because she's heard that the healing rabbi has come to town. And he's going to be at church on Sunday, Saturday, the Sabbath. She's hoping against hope. She's had a disabling spirit for 18 years. Everybody say 18 years. She's bent over. And could not fully straighten herself for 18 years. 
How many of her tears has God watched and collected in his bottle of tears? Listen to Psalm 56 and 8. Thou tellest my wanderings, and thou put my, thou, and put thou my tears into thy bottle. Are they not in thy book? He records your, your tears, child of God, and he's coming to your rescue. How many of your prayers were put in his bowl? Revelation 5 and 8 says, the golden bowls or vials are full of the odors, which are the prayers of saints. Don't underestimate your prayers that you pray. I believe every prayer is going to be answered. 18 years suffering through an oppressive infirmity. Slow burn of chronic pain had worn on her soul. Perhaps her mind had become saturated with hopelessness. She had suffered the loss and capacities she once took for granted. She had suffered the indignities of others' pity and disgust. She had suffered people's suspicions and wonders about her body as it was bent under the weight of divine judgment. Did she know that her affliction was satanic? God knew. God knows. He knew all the ways she suffered better than she did and knew why. God had long permitted Satan to afflict her. Look at verse 16. Ought not this woman being a daughter of Abraham whom Satan hath bound? Everybody see? Satan, the oppressor, hath bound her. He's 18 years. When Jesus saw her, verse 12, call her to him. Come here, lady. I'm going to do something for you. Thou art loosed from thy infirmity. Laid his hands on her. Immediately she was made straight. Glorify God. Not all the adversaries that were shamed that day were seen. The rulers of the synagogue, they were obvious. Hey, 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 hey. You shouldn't be doing this on the Sabbath. Aren't there six days you could do this? Jesus shamed them. He shamed them on purpose. Yeah, the ruler of synagogue and some of the Pharisees, they were humiliated. But the one, the oppressor, was humiliated even farther. Satan, much farther. This woman had been his captive. She had been his prisoner. You need to walk out of your oppression today. You need to liberate yourself because God wants to liberate this city. But he has now been disarmed and overthrown with a compassionate word from the Lord. You see, there, there's so many things that Jesus did. We can't name them all, and I can't name them. I'm not going to try to name them all. But many of the notable, definitely the individual miracles Jesus did had an eternal 
as well as intruding into time. He didn't just do it happenstance or just by stroke of luck or, oh, I think I'll heal this guy's crooked nose. I think I'll take care of his ingrown toe. No, he walked up to these people or these people walked up to him and, and, and the one blind man comes to him. Blindness speaks of many things spiritually to us. If our gospel be hid, it's hidden to them and lost. Whom the God of this world has blinded, blinded the mind. And so when Jesus looks at the man, he doesn't just heal him. He said, what would you like me to do for you? He said, oh, that I might receive my sight. Okay, blah. You've got to want to see before God can ever heal you of your blindness, be it physically, mentally, emotionally, or spiritually. If a person doesn't want the Holy Ghost, they can't receive the Holy Ghost. If a person doesn't want deliverance from the sins, water baptizing in Jesus' name nine times a day is not going to do them any good. Because it's more than just being water baptized in Jesus' name. Jesus said, except you believe I am God, you'll still die in your sins. And on and on, we could go and preach. But things like lameness, no one... You see, Israel had been oppressed for hundreds and thousands of years. And no one had ever been able to break this lameness. No one had been able to break the blindness. No one had been able to break the leprosy curse. No one had been able to cast out. You know, they accused Jesus of casting out devils by Beelzebub. He said, well, how do you boys cast them out? How's your, how's your exorcisms going? Pretty good? Are they working out for you? How's the trick going? <laughs> the only thing that helped me preach a little bit better right now, if the seven sons of Sceva had been there when Jesus was doing it, they tried to cast him out. And the, by the, and the devil said, well, Paul, we know, and Jesus, we know, but who in the world are you? What church you belong to? What ministerial affiliation you belong to? Jesus said, how's that going for you? <laughs> Preacher, I don't believe Jesus was a smart lake. But I don't either. Everything he had had a sharp sword to it. And he was cutting away cancers. And he was, he was breaking the oppressor. Death, no one could ever break it. But Jesus came and he broke death asunder. And he's given us the victory over death. Second Corinthians, or 1 Corinthians 15, 55 through 57 tells us about, Oh, death, where's I staying? Oh, grave, where's our victory? Thanks be to God who giveth us the victory. He's not talking about victory over uh, gout. He's talking about the victory over death. Everybody say, I have already. Say, already. Say, I have it. Go like this. Say, I have it. The victory over sin and death. Look at your neighbor and say, so why are you scared of dying? Let me tell you why you're scared of dying. Because of your sin and your guilt that's still alive inside of you. If there was no hell to shun and no heaven to gain, how would you live? And we got religious bodies trying to do away with hell. An organization I used to be a part of for many, many, many years, there was about six or 700 preachers that believed and when you died, that was the end. God Almighty, I'd be a liberal too. <laughs> I'd be a hellion. Oh, I'd still preach the gospel. Because this feels good. <laughs> Y'all missed that one. Somebody say praise the Lord. That the oppressor is still. 
I just added a word there. Oh, that was Bible. No, 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 no. If the Bible's not alive today, it has never been alive. Your word is quick, alive, and it's powerful. Dividing asunder of soul and spirit right down to the joint in the marrow. Even doctors and scientists don't know where one ends and the other one begins. But the word does. Everybody say the word does. Not the preaching. That's great. But the word all by itself. Every major miracle of healing that Jesus performed was a spiritual, significant marking of the breaking asunder of the oppressor. Follow with me real quickly here. In, in, in Psalm 72 and 4, let's just look at Psalm 72 and 4. He shall judge the poor. The phrase judge means execute, avenge, defend, contend for, vindicate. God the king fights for us. Everybody say, God the king fights for me. If God be for us, who can be against us? God justifies. God clears. God sanctifies from the oppressor and his oppression. He'll judge the poor. The poor means the depressed in mind or circumstances, body, soul, or spirit. And he says he shall save, free or secure, avenging, defending, delivering. I'm going to say a lot of words, but, but just listen. Go by the tape if you want to or listen to it wherever. I don't care. But, but, but I'm speaking them as a declaration. I'm not just preaching a sermon to you. I'm declaring it. He shall save. He shall save. Avenging, defending, delivering, helping, assisting, preserving, rescuing, and, and, and giving us the victory. Everybody say, thanks be to God. Who giveth us the victory. You don't go get it. You don't go buy it. You can't pray it in. You can't assist it in. He gives it. He gives it. He gives you the victory. But you got to want out of your oppression. You got to leave your sin. You got you to tell the oppressor, bye-bye. Get out of here. He'll do it for the needy. That's someone in a sense of want, especially in feeling destitute, a beggar. I need thee. Oh, I need thee. Every hour, I need thee. Most time, we only need him on a Sunday morning or a Sunday night or, or midweek service because we don't want the preacher preaching at us. I don't know about you, but I need to be saved. How many want to be saved when the trumpet sounds? How many want to be saved right now? How many want to go to heaven? That means you want to be saved. How many want to go right now? No, I didn't say, do you want to die right now? That's not what I said. Would it be all right if you, Lord, come right now? I just need to come right now. So I don't have to finish this silly message. Let me see this. The last part of the verse says, and shall break... In pieces, it means cause to crumble. Transitively, it brings from a drastic, brings about a drastic change in your life. Shall break or bruise. It means to beat in pieces, to break into minuscule, invisible pieces. To crush, to destroy, to humiliate, to reverse the oppression. Isaiah says, and when they look upon him, they're going to say, you mean this is the cat 
that harassed me all those years. I, I, I can see. Jesus said, no, no, no. I, I, I'm the one who gets to cast him in the lake of fire. You don't get to do that. I want this church to become so dynamic that the devil prays for the Lord to come and cast him into the lake of fire. I hate him. Three major times in my life he's tried to kill me, literally. He will never be able to kill us when we have broken these spirits off of us. The oppressor means to press upon, to squeeze, to push down and to push around. It speaks of deception of the mind. It speaks of defrauding of the soul. It speaks of doing violence to the very spirit of your being. It means breaking and destroying one's will. It means to give pain and to give trouble. Satan will cause us pain and trouble at every turn. But I'm telling you, the oppressor is broken asunder. He is broken asunder. The word asunder means to break into separate pieces that cannot be put back together. Ah, come on, come on. Isaiah says, and the yoke shall be destroyed or caused to come unglued because of the anointing. So Isaiah 59, 19, when the enemy shall come in, then like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord shall lift up a standard against him. In the, in the Hebrew language and in the Greek language, there are no punctuations like commas and colons and semicolons and question marks. So the Scripture would read, when the enemy shall come in, Everybody say, when the enemy shall come in, then like a flood, the Lord will raise up a standard against him. Most time we read it like the King James Version or some of these other versions read it. When the enemy shall come in, then like a flood, the Lord will raise up. Or, or, or when the enemy shall come in like a flood, then the Lord. No, no, it's the other way around. When the enemy comes in, then the Lord says, that's enough. Isaiah 45 and 2, I will go before thee and will make the crooked places straight. I will break in pieces the gates of brass. Isaiah, or Psalms 107 verse 16, for he hath, everybody say he's already done it. He hath broken the gates of brass and cut the bars of iron sunder. Your prison house does not exist. Had a young preacher just this week ask me, how do I go on? How do I go deeper? How do I fly higher? He said, you know, how do I keep from getting in a box? I said, get rid of the box. What box? Some people say of pastors and preachers, they said, well, you live in a glass house or you live in a fishbowl. I said to many of them sometimes, I said, what fishbowl? What are you talking about? I don't have one. Too much trouble. You can't hurt a dead man. I said, you can't hurt a dead person. Our problem is we haven't died. Paul said, I die daily. Jesus said, except you deny yourself, die daily. You're going to lose your life. But if you'll lose your life, if you'll die, if you'll be crucified with Christ, that's what repentance and water baptism is supposed to be doing, but it takes the rest of the Bible to remind us that we've got to keep doing that. I'm telling you, the oppressor is broken asunder. He's not going to be in this town, in Huntington, Indiana. He is broken asunder. I don't care what anybody else says. It doesn't matter to me. I just know, I just know, I just know, I just know. 
Well, how do you know, preacher? Number one, by the Word of God. Number two, by the Spirit of God. And that's all I need. In the mouth of two or three witnesses. Now all God's waiting on is His church people, His redeemed ones, His liberated, delivered ones to say, I am free and I shall live free and I shall think free and I shall feel free because I am free. Woo! Somebody shout hallelujah. Psalms 146 and 7, verses 7 and 8. I'm reading from the New International Version, which I don't do very often, but I want want you to hear it this way. If they'll put it on the screen, the King James Version, verse 7. He, God, upholds the cause of the oppressed and gives food to the hungry. The Lord sets prisoners free. Verse 8, the Lord gives sight to the blind. The Lord lifts up those who are bowed down, oppressed. The Lord loves the righteous. Look at Acts chapter 10, verse 38. How He said, I want you to know how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power who went about doing good, healing or curing all that were oppressed, dominated of the devil, for God was with him. You see, Satan's will is to hammer you, to pound you, to assault you, to oppress us, you, me, at every turn. He will use any person, family, friend, or foe. He will use anything in life or in the world to oppress. He will use any event, pandemic, presidential election, to oppress. You want to you know how to stop being oppressed by it? Do what the op- oppressor breaker says to do. Quit meddling in it. A good soldier doesn't meddle in the affairs of this world. So what? Who gives a flying potato chip? Who gives a rip, Chip? Why fetter your mind? Why bog your mind down with that? Paul said, I come knowing nothing among you save Jesus Christ and Him crucified. You're not going to oppress me with it. You're not going to bog me down. I'm not going to get bowed over with it. I'm not going to pray about it. I'm not going to fast about it. Oh, and I'm being very mellow. I have my filter on today. I got up early this morning and and unclogged it. Put in a new uh, element. You don't really want to know what I think and feel. No, no, I'm not talking about sinful or ugly. I'm just, I, I just, I'm not going to be oppressed. I'm just not going to be. I'm just not going to be. I'm just not going to be. I said, I'm just not going to be. That's what you're going to have to do. You're going to, you're going to, have to embrace this religion you got a hold of. And I'm not talking about world religion or secular religion. Re- the word religion comes from the Latin word religio, which means to religament. To wit, God was in Christ, religamenting, reconciling. It's the same word. It cause you headaches. Ever say amen? It give you heartaches by oppression. He wound us by the oppressive happenings of our life. I know. My darling wife Nancy knows. We've lived that life. We've walked through it. We've walked through the valley shadow of death. Your pastor's wife has walked through it. <laughs> I know she doesn't act like it. 
But I know. It'll haunt. It'll taunt you. You're hearing grit in his teeth right now. It'll bruise your inner man. How many people sit among us today, right here in this room? You were wounded in your inner soul. There's bruisings. You were abused. There's a lot of social words I could use, but I'm going to leave them alone. Some of them you've done to yourself. Some of them other people have done to you. But hear me today. I, I, I don't do this from a pulpit very often, but I'm begging you personally to hear me. But God's will, we say God's will. That's not just a cute Pentecostal apostolic phrase. God's will is to free you and liberate every human being from all oppressive forces of darkness. He's not willing, He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. John 8 and 32, and you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you. Everybody say, it will make me. But we're still believing the news media. We're still believing this person or we're still believing that. Or we're still believing what mama says or daddy says or husband says or wife says or kids says or parents say. We're not believing the truth. And so the truth, when I believe it, when I know it, it will make me free. If the Son therefore shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. Second Corinthians 3.17. Now the Lord is that spirit, spirit of truth, spirit of freedom. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Galatians 5 and 13 says that we have been called to liberty, not to oppression. Second Timothy 1 and 7 says, For God hath not given us the spirit of fear or oppression, but of power. Everybody shout power. Say of love. Say of a sound mind. Oppressors breed heavy doses of fear, but perfect love, Holy Ghost. The only way you get love, the love of God is shed on by the Holy Ghost. It casteth out all fear. Power, he says power shall be given to us. Dunamis, holy, divine ability to destroy the yokes of the oppressor. You're sitting around waiting for God. No, he wants you with this anointing of the Holy Ghost. He wants you to break the yokes too. And as you begin to move, he will draw nigh. And he has given to us sound mindedness to think clearly to think freely to worship genuinely i'm closing isaiah 51 and 12 says i even i you need to listen to this pay close attention i even i am he that comforteth you who art thou that thou shouldest be afraid of a man that shall die and of the son of man which shall be made as grass and forgettest everybody say i don't want to forget the lord and you forget the Lord thy maker that has stretched forth the heavens and laid the foundations of the earth and has feared continually every day. Speaking about us. Because of the fury of the oppressor as if he were ready to destroy. Where's the fury of the oppressor? I'm going to shock the living daylights out of some of you. 
Would you help me with Isaiah? And this isn't going to be pleasant for you. It's going to be great for me. I'm me. That's obvious, isn't it? And he's not him right now. He's the devil. Everybody raise your hand. Say, I and the devil are both the light. We are both. No, don't stop there. See, see, you stopped right there. Don't stop. Say, we are both alike in that we are both created beings by the creator, God. See, you have convinced yourself because he has convinced you that he is greater than you are. Newsflash, sucker. I mean, devil. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. You really don't believe that, do you? You know why you're scared of the devil? Oh, don't go looking for him. He'll find you. When he thinks he has enough whatever, he'll find you. He has convinced us that he is like God. That is a lie. That's what got him kicked out of heaven. He is not like God. He is not omnipresent. He is not omniscient, means he knows everything. And he's certainly not omnipotent, having all power. He can only be one place at a time. Here's why we fear him, is we can't see him, but we can feel him. If you're full of the Holy Ghost and you're full of prayer, those sound a lot alike, but they are different. And full of faith. Full of faith and full of prayer and full of the Holy Ghost are different things. Oh, they're, they're, they're very much in conjunction. They're very much superimposed one on top of the other. But you see, in Christ, everybody say in Christ. I am greater than he is. You don't believe that, but I'm, I'm going to try to convince you. In Jesus Christ, repentant of my sins, baptized in water for the remission of my sins, and filled with the Holy Ghost, I am greater than he is. Jesus said of all the prophets, John was greatest of all. He said, but the least of my king was greater than John. And John was greater than he was. But I'm, we're even greater still because we have the name of Jesus applied to us in water baptism. We have the blood applied, and there's no weapon that he can preach, can form, that can, that, that, that can overcome the blood. That's right. Yes. Here's, here's, where the, here's, where the, here's where the water parts. We both got our power from God. You be God, okay? Come here, devil. Got power from the devil in that hand. Power from the child of God in his head. Just put him out. Come on, you're giving us power. And the devil takes his, and I take mine. Where did we get our power? Same source. God. Everybody say, we got our power from God. Say the same place. He doesn't have a greater power than I have. And I don't have a greater power than he has. 
God didn't take his power when he kicked him out of heaven. Because gifts and calling of God are without repentance. He doesn't take them back. He said, I give you power over all the power of the devil or of the enemy. Now, it looks like the same word. He's got power, I got power. But the word, first word power there in Luke is the word exousia. Everybody say exousia. See, you do know Greek. Exousia. Exousia is not the word dunamis. The second power is dunamis. Everybody say dunamis. Everybody say, the Lord has given to me exousia over all the dunamis of the devil. You see, he is broken. He's humiliated. He is oppressed. He's trying to convince you he's not oppressed. But he's the oppressed one. He's the one that's broken, busted, and disgusted. And he's trying to steal your exousia. But he can't. It's a gift from God. But you've gotten water baptism in Jesus' name. The word exousia means authority. He has power to do many things to us. But he doesn't have authority over us to do them. We also have dunamis. You shall receive dunamis after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. So I have power, ability to cast him out. And I have authority to cast him out and to tell him to shut up and go away. In Jesus' name, be gone. And he has to go. I don't even have to do that. Come against me. All I have to do is just resist him. Just stand there. And immediately, no, I don't want to touch you. I want you to just start backing up like like two two magnets, North Pole, trying to come together. just, Just resist him. Just resist him. Don't turn around and run from the snake. When you turn around and run from a snake, what does it do? You should chase you. Just turn around and face him. Say, in the name of Jesus, buddy, how are you doing today? You and I don't get along. I hate you. I know you hate me, and I know you're trying to destroy me, and I'm trying to destroy you. And you better hope the Lord comes before I cast you into hell. Now get out of here. <laughs> now, I'm over-embellishing the story. But see, you have power to cast him out. He doesn't have power to cast you out. What are you doing talking to the devil? The Bible doesn't tell you to talk to him. The Bible tells you to resist him and rebuke him in Jesus' name. Some of you have some enemies of your flesh. Some of you may be your mother-in-law or your father-in-law or your (laughs) son-in-law or your daughter-in-law or your grand. You just have enemies. Do you go hang out with them and talk with them? Ah, I'm not a horse, but nay, nay. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. You got some people you'd like to see in hell. You going to talk to them? I doubt it. That's about the only thing I doubt. So why would you talk to the devil? If we spend as much time talking to the Lord and letting the Lord speak to our mind as we let the broken asunder oppressor is we let him talk to us Amen. have you ever asked yourself that question why am i letting him talk to me you know, you know that sister so and so you know that pastor he really don't like me now would god tell you that come on <clears throat> secret it's not the pastor 
It's this ivory ticking wife that ticks me off. Well, the devil didn't tell me that. Well, some other saint did or some other sinner did. Folks, it's time. The oppressor is broken asunder. Amen. Would you stand with me? Would you close your eyes? And I want to put it in street language. Just tell the devil where to get off. And tell him when to get off. He is broken. He has no business ruling and dominating you with any sin, with any gossip, with any unrighteousness, with any unholiness. It's time for this church to set an example to the rest of the world. This is how it's done. This is how we do it in Huntington. This altar's open. I want you to come. I want every person to come. His fury. Why are we afraid of the devil's fury? We're supposed to be fearing God, not the devil. Fury speaks of heat, speaks of anger, speaks of poison. You don't have to leave this building today the way you came in. Bound, oppressed, sick, lame. You can be healed in your body, healed in your mind, healed in your emotions, healed in your spirit because the King of Kings has decreed deliverance. The oppressor is broken asunder. If you're tired of the dominator and domination, if you're tired of the oppressor and the oppression, you must make Jesus Christ both your Savior and your Lord. Repent of your sins. Break the oppression. Be baptized in Jesus' name. Break the oppressor. Holy Ghost baptism seals us as belonging to Jesus Christ. Come on. The oppressor, the oppressor, the oppressor is broken asunder. He's no longer alive in your life. 